You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Jay Young, Bob Huesler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. We welcome you once again to Open Court with Jay Young. Good to have you back. This is your one-stop podcast destination for all things Fairfield basketball. Along with the coach, I'm Bob Huesler, joined by my broadcast partner, the Fairfield Hall of Famer, Joe DeSantis. Certainly great to be back with you, the Fairfield basketball fan. It's uh, great to be looking at a three-dimensional Coach Jay Young after a year of staring at those uh, screens during our Zoom podcast conferences. And I know, uh, Joe, you're happy too because you don't have to calm down uh, your two dogs, Kobe and, and Jeter there. And two grandchildren too. That's it's right. A little, That's right. little uh, chaotic at the household in Trumbull, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. A little more quiet, at least for now, in uh, Jay's office as uh, we get uh, open court up and running. And, uh, Coach, let's get this out of the way. Congratulations are in order for you. This is uh, year three. It goes quickly. And you just uh, received and signed a contract extension here at Fairfield that keeps you. Uh, here at the helm through the 2025-26 season at the very least. First, congratulations. And uh, specific to what this represents, it's, it's, it's great in many ways, including on the recruiting trail, right? It, right? it shows the stability of this program. Yeah, thank you, first of all. It's good to see you guys, too. And, uh, it, it, uh, you know, I sincerely appreciate the confidence in uh, our director of athletics, Paul Schlickman, and our president, Dr. Nemec, and... Uh, you know, we, we talked ab about it at the end of the season, and uh, this is where I want to be. I love coaching here and uh, uh, appreciate the confidence and the trust in allowing me to run the program for, for a little longer. Well, certainly it is well-deserved, and I know uh, Fairfield fans are excited about where this program is headed under you. Certainly uh, we saw the potential there, where this program can get to at the end of last season, and as you get ready to start this season, what, as you look at your team and these preseason practices and the scrimmages, let's start it this way. What player maybe can excite fans? What There's always that one guy who makes that big leap during the offseason, bigger, stronger, faster, more skilled in a particular area. Is there a one guy, if I can pin it down for you, uh, that has done that? Well, I, I think the fans saw a little bit of it at the end of the year, but I, I would just probably say um, Supreme Cook has been really uh, the most dominant in practice so far, and uh, he's put on some extra weight. He's, uh, you know, looks great. He's in terrific shape, and you, you got a taste of that towards the end of the year last year, and now he's just continued to build on that. So I, I, I think every guy has made a jump, and it's been good to see, but if I had to pick one, I would say Supreme. He was part of a uh, Fairfield uh, surge at the best time to do this last year in the MAC tournament. You beat Manhattan in the last regular season game, beat them again to start off what became a great run in the MAC tournament, and falling in just nine points short there in that championship game against Iona. The question is, how do you now recharge? How hard is it to keep that momentum going? You know, from obviously the end of last season. An entire off season, you know, how big a challenge is it to pick it up where you left off? Well, you know, it, we haven't accomplished nearly what we want to do here. So, we, you know, we were a ten and seventeen team last year. There's so much room for growth. We've got to start, you know, being a better basketball team. And 
you know, our goal is to play in the NCAA tournament. We didn't get there. So um, I, I, there's just so many boxes we still have to check off. And getting to the championship game was nice, but that's not what we want to do. We want to get there and win that game. So we remind the guys every day about, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, how hard we need to work to get back to that game and, and, and to win it. So there's, there's a ton of stuff uh, we have to do. And, and uh, motivation hasn't been a problem. We haven't accomplished nearly what we need to do here and and we still have a lot of work to do so we and a lot and a lot of uh, a lot of growth for our program for sure what were the things that did come together for you during that stretch uh, late in the season and in particular in the MAC tournament you know I just think defensively we we were starting to play at a level that I envisioned that we could uh, we were uh, you know we were a two and eleven team and then we were an eight and five team and the eight and five team finally Start playing better offensively too, but certainly defensively. Uh, you know, we I think in, during that eight and five stretch, we held teams to about uh, forty-one percent from the field and thirty-one percent from three, as opposed to earlier where we we just couldn't stop anybody. So, I thought defensively we just kind of started to get it, and and really in that tournament played almost elite defense. Um, you know, so we need to pick off from where we left off. That's the key this year, and and not go through what we had to go through you know, during the, during the beginning of the season last year. So it, it kind of always starts and ends there with me. If You know, like, can we get other teams to miss and can we rebound the ball? And that's what we did during that stretch. Jay, so in the tournament, uh, you held Manhattan to 58, Monmouth to 60, St. Peter's to 47. You held Iona to 60, but you only got 51. Right. So I have a, a two-pronged question, if you will. Defensively, is there a, any chance we're going to see anything different any zone you're working on, any pressing? And the second question defensively is, um, what do you see better this year about your man-to-man defense? Right. Uh, we're we're going to be who we are, and that's a half-court man-to-man team. That's, that's who we're always going to be. We, we have other things in our package. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, that's, that's who we're going to stop guys in the half-court and make them play five versus five. Uh, uh, you know, the encouraging part is it where we left off. Uh, we, were, we were playing, as you mentioned, good defense in that tournament. Uh, and in the summer, uh, we kind of, just from a drill standpoint and from a practice standpoint, I thought we were much more connected. Last year at this point, well, we basically weren't practicing or we were practicing every other day and then something would happen. And we just didn't have the minutes and the, times to wor- the time to work on, on what we need to work on. So... I think we're much more connected. Um, we're obviously got a bunch of veterans who have been through this league and have been through all the drills and, and, and the practices who have helped immensely in that. So we're moving from uh, drill to drill much quicker. And uh, sometimes if we haven't even covered stuff, I see guys you know, picking it up and, and kind of communicating with the younger guys. So from that standpoint, I, I feel confident that, uh, that we're, you know, uh, we can pick up from where we left off last year. Yeah, no, you're, you're obviously... When your teams are together and when they're good, they're terrific defensively, which helps your offense. So I have a general question. Percentage-wise, what is it in terms of scouting report versus and fundamentals? So when, I think when you play half-court man-to-man, scouting report's important because you're, you're, you know, you're playing kind of one way and you, there's not a lot of trickery to how we play. So we need to uh, do a great job with every scout and be real precise on how we're guarding individual people and, and certain actions that they are. So that, that certainly plays a role in it. Uh, 
but you know, for for us, it's we always default back to what we do in practice. And um, if an action happens in a game that we haven't talked about or, or we haven't seen, we we hopefully we can pick up that action, defend it properly because we've gone over that situation in practice. So I think it's a combination. But I do think Joe that when you play half court man to man, scouting becomes a little more important than than maybe if if you had another style. We've had uh, two preseason games, coach. Uh, one against uh, Hofstra. Other against NI, NJIT, what were your takes coming out of each of those games? What were the things you saw that were good and maybe things you need to work on? Yeah, I, I think defensively in both games we had some good moments. Um, we're, we're, I know I used this word, we were connected yeah. and, uh, and were able to get some stops. Um, you know, offensively in, in the uh, Hofstra game, we were a little rough at times and, and some of our shot selection wasn't great. Um, I thought we cleaned that up against NJIT and played much better on that end of the floor. Uh, you know, a little disappointed in some of the turnovers that we made. I thought they were more forced turnovers on our end than, than something that either team did. So we, there's a lot to clean up, but overall I came out of both of those uh, thinking that encouraged about where we were defensively and uh, thought that the mistakes that we made on offense were, were correctable. So, um, Jay, these scrimmages, um, did you keep score throughout or did you go by halves or quarters? And No, we played both like a real game and then we added some time um, to play some of the guys who normally didn't get, you know, didn't get the minutes that you wanted so uh, that you could get a little extra look on them. So, uh, yeah, we played both like a real game. And did you take time to work on special situations? We d sometimes we do. We did not in did either scrimmage. Okay. And in the Hofstra scrimmage, they were uh, one of the guys got from them got hurt during the game. Not seriously, but we also, you know, you're conscious about how long you're out there and, and uh, you know, how much you guys have just played. So we just we were talking about doing that in Hofstra. And we, once uh, Hofstra got down a body in the front court, we, di we didn't continue to do that. And then both were away. Was that yeah. by design? Is that something you like to do, go on the road? Well, I normally do. And then we, we owed NJIT a scrimmage here from the co from my first year. And then Hofstra uh, offered us an opportunity to play them. We thought it was a really good scrimmage. It actually worked out fine because we were at Brian Dewar, got inducted in the Hall of Fame at Stony Brook. So we were out there on Friday night. So we all just stayed over and met the team at, at Hofstra on Saturday. We didn't plan that, but it worked out fine. And we just met the team at Hofstra on Saturday. And it's good to... I think the, you know most of our games early. A lot of them are on the road, so get the guys on a bus and and uh, you know get us in an away locker room. So I, I do kind of like doing that. Let's talk about the guys. Uh, we'll do it quickly. I'd like to go over uh, the roster um, individual by individual. But as I said, we'll move it along. And most uh, most importantly, I think to our fans is the uh, injury status or the health status. Let's look at it positively of Jalen Leach. Uh, he was a big loss for you um, mid-season last year. Foot injury, how far along is he in his recovery? Is he ready to go yet? Yeah, he's ready to go. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's 100%. Um, we still got to get him in a little better shape because he missed so much time. But he's been practicing uh, regularly now for the last two to three weeks. Um, we had kind of uh, slowly moved him back into practice on a limited capacity, and now he's been going for about three weeks, I'd say. 
uh, where he's going full capacity. So we kind of keep an eye on him. His conditioning still needs to be better, but he's ready to go and check in against Providence. That shot looking as sweet as it did at times last year? When it goes in, yeah, it yeah. <laughs> looks good. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we certainly uh, could use his offense to, uh, you know, help ours for sure. You've already mentioned Supreme Cook and how he has looked very good so far in the preseason. He dealt with uh, knee issues at times uh, last season. Is that a chronic thing? Uh, is that an issue here uh, to start this season? It hasn't been. Uh, our strength and conditioning uh, staff and our medical staff has done a good job getting that knee stronger. Uh, so right now he's, he's looked great, and knock on wood, he's, uh, he, he feels great and he's ready to go at 100%. He's, uh, he's all Mac potential, isn't he? I know I'm stating the obvious, but you consider him that, right? I do, for sure. Um, uh, he's, I can see his growth already, um, and I can see it on the defensive end, too, uh, where he's just so much more comfortable in our ball screen coverage and, and more vocal and, and that type of thing. So uh, there's no doubt in my mind he can be one of the better, um, if not the best big guys in the Mac. I really feel that way. And you kind of just hinted at what I was going to ask you about, his, his maturity, not suggesting he was immature. He was a freshman last year, and naturally they mature as their careers move along. How, how much more? You said he was vocal, more vocal. Right. Other areas of his game that have improved as far as that maturity factor is concerned? No doubt. I mean, I mean it was almost unfair what we did to Supreme last year. I mean, he, he had an injury. We had so little practice time, and we just threw everything at him. And then we said, you know, go out and guard Nate Watson versus Providence with, with about six practices. And uh, he, he just was not ready. And, and, again, probably we put him in an unfair uh, position. And he, he had a lot of growing pains through that on both ends. And I thought what you saw at the end of uh, the season was him just kind of fighting through all those ups and downs and kind of starting to get a lot of the things and uh, he's continued that trend. So um, he, I, I see growth in all, his, in all areas with him, not only offensively, but certainly defensively as well. At this time last year, Jake Wojcik and uh, Zach Chrysler were both X-Factors. As it turned out, eventually it was uh, adjudicated in Fairfield's favor, but it took a while to get them eligible. And, uh, you know, Jake ended up as your leading scorer, and he's clearly the, the scoring engine on this team. Um, how much easier, if I could use that word, will it be for him having that one year under the belt as a stag and now he's comfortable with everything surrounding the program and no uncertainty right. heading into this season? I mean, Jake had a, a really difficult year last year just with, uh, you know, he transfers from just a transfer in a normal year. Uh, a lot goes into that. And then he transfers during COVID and uh, he gets declared ineligible. And uh, unfortunately, he lost a grandmother and a grandfather last year. And just a lot of ups and downs for him. So he's in a great place uh, for us right now mentally and, and feels very comfortable here. Uh, and he's in the best shape, I think, of his life. So uh, he's, you know, he's been, he's been really good. And... Um, I just think you're going to see what you, at the end of the season, you're going to even see a better Jake as we start the season. Um, and, uh, you know, he had a good year for us. He really did. And, and I think you saw the diversity of his game, something a little different than he was at Richmond, where about, you know, 75 to 80% of his shots came from three, and, and he was more of a 50-50 guy for us. And you really saw his diversity, and I think that will continue as well. Zach Chrysler was in the same boat as Jake as far as eligibility was concerned. 
And uh, yeah, he had his ups and downs last year, but there was a lot of good to his game. How far has he taken it in the preseason? What, what do you expect from him as far as taking that next step forward is concerned? Yeah, so Zach, uh, you know, another guy who I think is in the best shape of his life. They've had the whole summer now to work out. They were with us for eight weeks. Uh, they were under, you know, Mike Harris, our strength and conditioning guy. And I've said this, Zach does so much stuff that really doesn't appear in the box score. But at the end of the day, Zach's got to, he's got to be a better shooter. He's got to make sure more shots for us, which he has done in the preseason. He's shot the ball real well so far. So we're hoping that that continues because at the end, that, you know, Zach's going to be a high volume three-point shooter and his percentage just got, I think, shot at around 29%, I think, last year. And we got to get that up to the mid-30s. And so far, he's done that and in, in in taken better shots. And again, another guy, I think, who just feels a little more comfortable in our offense. So, Jay, I uh, totally agree. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves. 33% from the field, 27 for three. That's got to be better. Um, I did, I've been to two practices, as you know, and I saw a lot more jump shots going in, so I'm, I'm really uh, happy to see that uh, from a number of your guys. But what does Zach, you mentioned that Zach does a lot of little things. What are the little things that you see that maybe we don't see? And does he give you versatility of a four and a five? Like, how, how, how do you, like, when you sit down with your staff, what do you say about him? He's going to play four, he's going to play five, he's going to play both. Where is he most effective in that way? Yeah, it, it, it's both. Um, he gets a little more advantage offensively at the five because he's just a difficult cover for other five men who aren't used to playing guys on the perimeter. So if you look at a lot of his shots that we ran for him last year, he, he got those for the from the five spot where we screened in and a five man isn't used to chasing stuff or getting pinned in. Uh, but we're playing him in a lot of four this year. He, he's very, uh, as far as little things goes, you know, he's a great screener, and he knows when to screen in our offense. Um, uh, he's a great space guy, uh, knows, when to, knows when to cut, uh, knows when to space. And then defensively, he's smart. Uh, we had a couple games last year, the one where we put him on Rigoni in the second game against Quinnipiac after Rigoni kind of lit us up the first game, and I thought his length and his, his kind of IQ on defense really helped. And then we played him against Nadefo. Uh, at St. Peter's, and although he's given up some, some athletic ability and some quickness, he, he took a couple charges on him early. Uh, so his IQ really helps us on both ends of the floor. So, uh, you know, Zach's, Zach's, again, at the end of the day, people are probably going to judge him by the way he shoots the ball, and, and we know that. And, uh, but he's a guy that makes our offense run smoother when he is in there. Caleb Green, obviously uh, – <clears throat> The important position on this team. Any team is uh, the number one point guard. And uh, he had that transition period last year where you were saying, you know, we need the, we know Caleb Green as a player, and we weren't seeing that early in the year. Then you saw it in spurts. Joe and I were talking before the podcast about Caleb and came to the pretty easy conclusion that a lot was asked of him in terms of minutes. Right. Uh, how much did that affect uh, what he was doing out there, how much was it on him and that he was putting maybe too much pressure on himself, and where is he now compared to where he was, say, uh, early in the season last year? Yeah, I, you know, in, in fairness to Caleb, you know, when you sit out a year, it's 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 completely different, and he went from a system where it's kind of Princeton-style offense where we put him in a lot more pick and rolls where he had to make, you know, a lot more reads with the ball in his hand, I would say, and uh, struggled with that a little bit early, and uh, 
you know, was probably harder on himself than everybody right. was. That was his, his biggest problem. He's, he's, a, he's an unbelievable kid, puts a lot of pressure on himself. So I think when we, he just relaxed and, and started playing better, uh, certainly good for us, but good for Caleb too. And uh, he, he's been through the wars now and, and kind of uh, a year later, I think he's another guy who's in a really good place and really comfortable out there. And I know how comfortable I am with the ball in his hands and, and uh, just so steady for us. 34 minutes a game last year. Do you want to be there again, or do you want to limit him somewhat? I think he's a guy who can handle those minutes. I really do. Um, I'd probably, you know, say, Joe, maybe around 31 would be a little better. Get him a, a couple minutes here each half. But I really don't think it was an issue with him handling minutes. He can, he's in unbelievable shape. He, uh, I, I really don't see a lot of decline with him, especially, like, you know, when you look at a guy defensively when he's playing long minutes, he... he He's still doing all the things you want him to do, and he still runs hard and that type of thing. So I think if there's one guy on our team who can handle that type of minutes, it'd probably be Caleb and then, and then Taj, secondly, both those guys. I'm glad you brought up Taj. That with those two, I'm going to use them as a, as a twosome. Taj Benning and Jesus Cruz are back. They're taking advantage of that uh, get-out-of-jail-free card and uh, another year of eligibility for both. Uh, how much discussion was there? Uh, and we'll talk about them as, again, a, a duo, uh, Taj and Jesus, with you as far as the decision to return for another year. I'm sure there were some pros and cons uh, on the list for both. Um, take us through the process that ended up with them both returning. We're all happy they're back uh, as right. Stags. Yeah, there, there wasn't a whole lot of discussion. I mean, uh, I, I think the fact that we lost in the championship game and, and we got so close certainly motivated them. Uh, Taj came in. We, I think we met, uh, you know, the, the couple days after we got back and just kind of asked him what he was thinking. And um, I told them both that uh, they're both warriors and have, have uh, you know, done everything they can for this program. So if they wanted to move on or uh, wanted to test the portal, I would support whatever they wanted to do. I, I you know, couldn't thank them enough for what they did. And, uh, you know, Taj was kind of leaning towards coming back right away and I think he just needed a couple days after we talked to think about it and Jesus said he wanted to put his name in the portal and see what was out there too and I honestly I, I supported that decision too uh, I really did and uh, after about you know a couple weeks we had another discussion and, and you know I think he was thinking about uh, you know coming back and I, I welcomed him back I would uh, you know certainly said that uh, you know we'd love to have him back so I'm glad I know the fans are, and I'm certainly glad that both those guys are back, too. The value that they bring to the program, both on and off the floor, uh, how would you summarize that? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to look ahead to, to next year, but I've said this to my coaches a bunch of times. You know, we, we'll bring in other guys in the program. We'll continue to try and bring in talented guys. I don't know if we can replace the leadership that these three guys brought to this program. Um, Caleb, Taj, and, uh, and Jesus have been just rock solid. And, you know, you guys have been at practice and, and just the energy that they bring every day and the leadership. And I say, I, really, I could show up five minutes before. They could, they could coach the first hour, and we'd probably be better, you know, quite honestly. But they, they're like having three coaches around every day. Yeah, and they're young men now. You know, you get these guys, a lot of your guys, you know, still, you know, in essence, just high school kids right. who happen to be in college. These are men now, right. and there's something to be said for that, isn't there? Yeah, there's something. Be, these guys have been through a lot here. Uh, they've been through, a, you know, two of the guys have been through a coaching change, and Caleb has transferred in. So 
Uh, they've been through a lot. They're mature guys. They handle the business academically. They handle it socially, and they come to practice every day and and uh, and work their tails off. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna certainly miss them. I'm not gonna think about it. I'm gonna join them for the year, but we're gonna certainly miss uh, all their leadership aspects that they bring in this program. So let's stay with the three guys. Caleb, we know his role: point guard, solid, 33, 34 minutes, run the team, make open shots, make others better. Taj Benning. And again, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I see both of these players, Taj and Cruz, as being different in that Taj is going to be a 30-minute player. What do you expect from him? Will, he, will we see him at point? Will, be the, will he be the backup point guard? Um, Cruz, I see as a guy coming off the bench maybe that can get you some one-on-one situations offensively can score. So be a little more specific as what you see Taj and Cruz doing for you during the course of an important ball game. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Taj is, first of all, he's, he's so improved so much offensively where you feel if he's got his feet set uh, and he's got a good look at it, it's going to go in. So I'm really confident in him that he's turned himself into a uh, you know, reliable shooter in certain situations. Uh, and he's going to guard the best offensive player on the other team at the perimeter guy for the most part. You know? And, uh, again, I feel he, he's, you know, a, a guy who can cut whatever they're averaging in half. That's what we look to. You know, if a guy's averaging 14, can you keep him to seven? And uh, Taj just works his tail off on that end of the floor. So he's going to log minutes. It's, it's, you know, with any playing time, it's a matter of trust. And it, the trust in those two guys, Caleb, Taj, and Jesus, those three guys, uh, is really strong with me. And Jesus is like that infielder that can play third, second, you know, a little short, maybe stick him behind the plate or something. You know, he can play so many positions. And uh, you don't drop off defensively. And then offensively, you can put him in some situations that, that are mismatches that guys will have trouble guarding him. So I know that it's an overused term, but he really legitimately is the Swiss Armory knife that you can put in different spots. Um, but his IQ is, is one of the best defensively that we have. You can, he can guard. Uh, he knows the other team stuff. He can go on and guard different positions. He can go into ball screen coverage and, 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 uh, and be successful at that. A big moment for us last year in that uh, semifinal game with St. Peter's is when we switched him to Nadefo. And uh, we moved Supreme off him. Supreme was having struggling with his quickness. And if you remember that Jesus just fronted him and really held him, uh, held him down in the second half and enabled us to win the game, that was a huge moment for us. And, and we couldn't have done that with another guy besides Jesus. You talked about um, Supreme Court, uh, Supreme Cook, and his All Mac potential. You spoke the same way about Chris Mido when he arrived as a freshman. Now he's uh, getting ready for his junior year. How closer is he to tapping into that potential that you saw and still see? I'm sure in him. Yeah, we've talked to Chris, but we're not going to use that word anymore. Potential. It's it's, it's about to, he's got to now take that step. Um, and he was playing that way the second half of the season. If you look at his numbers during that run that we made where we were eight and five, he was shooting almost 60% from the, over 60% from the field. And unfortunately, we lost him for the tournament run. Um, and he's come back now. He had the whole summer with us, which he missed last year. And he's put on, he's about, you know, close to 210 pounds. We got to keep him, you know, because he, he can drop weight quickly. So we got to keep him around that 200. But he's been very, very good in practice. Uh, and again, switching between that four and five spot, uh, but again, but that's the word we keep using. And I, and I said to him earlier when we, we were meeting before we kind of started, we said we got to stop using that word. And now it's time for you to make that jump, which I think he's capable of doing. 
We'll take your uh, freshmen as a group. T.J. Long, Makai Willis, and Christian Sevis as a group. Or if you want to say one guy may be ready to contribute, uh, how would you tell our fans what they can expect from your frosh? Yeah, I, I like them all and all have different skill sets that they bring to the program. Uh, how much you'll see of them, I, I really couldn't tell you because I don't know myself quite yet. Uh, I played them uh, more in the NJIT scrimmage, all three of them, and all three of them had really good moments. Uh, but it's a situation where we've just got so many upperclassmen uh, you know, ahead of them right now. We just kind of out-vetured them. But I think they're going to be very, very good players and, and help our program win and wear. Uh, I, I, I really don't know yet myself. I, I really don't because we just got guys right now who are older and in, fr and in front of them, which is a good. It's the first year that I've had that issue, and it's a, it's a, it's a good issue to have. Uh, but like I said, Christian's a big fi a, a physical guard at, at the point. Uh, TJ can really shoot the ball. Uh, and Makai, talent-wise, I think is as good as any front court guy we've we've recruited since I've been here. But how that kind of shakes out, it, I think that's going to you know be determined through the course of the season. You uh, have an, an old-fashioned uh, Fairfield, New England flavor to schedule to get things going here. Some of those uh, traditional uh, D1 rivals uh, on the road uh, at Providence uh, on Tuesday as we speak, coming up on Tuesday, and then BC the following Sunday. I know you're only thinking about Providence right now, and you want to, I'm sure, have a better showing than last year. It didn't. It, it's, it left a bad taste in your mouth. Then you, you, you had that fast start in that game against Providence, and then they just ran past you in the second half. You're going up there to win, and you're going up there to feel good about that game. What challenges, based on what you've seen from Providence so far, uh, do they present? What's the biggest single thing that you have to counteract when you uh, play them on Tuesday? Yeah, I just think, you know, Nate Watson is a guy that we won't see for the rest of the year. The physicality and the mobility uh, that, that he has is just a difference maker. Uh, First-team uh, All-Big East guy, and his size and physicality and how well he moves uh, is going to be an issue for us. And we can't. We've talked about this. He just kind of had his way with us last year. Uh, we we could have played that game 100 times, and we could have lost it 100 times last year. We were just not ready for them. Uh, and you're right. When they called us again to, to possibly play this year, you know, even though they beat us poorly, I, I, I was, you know, like I said, let's go back there and let's just play better. And uh, obviously, uh, Coach Cooley does a tremendous job, and they're, they're very talented. But uh, I would say that the, you know Nate Watson's going to be an issue that we're going to have to uh, find some schemes to, to help us defensively, so he doesn't do what he was able to do last year and just dominated the game. I, I felt up front. Then you go on the road, stay on the road to play BC, and uh, your home opener is against Medgar Evers. And I wanted to ask you about playing a D three team and. Does that affect the uh, RPI? Um? Yeah, so when I first got here, our league was one of the few leagues in the country that actually didn't allow um, non-D1s on the schedule. And uh, just looking at the end of the year with league uh, BPI and RPI issues that we, uh, and our league did a great job. I had nothing to do with it. I was just on the back end of these discussions that they looked at other conferences that they thought were comparable and what Division threes did for your strength of schedule because they were in most cases wins and and accumulating more wins so we were the only mid-major uh, league in the country that didn't allow uh, to play non-threes non-ones non I'm sorry 
And our league coaches really pushed for that and, uh, you know, gave the evidence that supported why playing these games are beneficial to your league and, and what it could do for your overall win total, which helps you, you know, with, with seedings and that type of stuff. So the league passed a rule that we allowed to play one. Uh, and, you know, we're going to certainly take advantage of that. And uh, we, we uh, had limited dates because of the arena. We kind of put it out there uh, to see who was available, and Medgar Evers, uh, you know, was local, and and uh, we figured it would be a uh, a good match for us to to bring them the arena on a, on a limited, you know, date schedule. So uh, it just kind of worked out that way. Back in Webster Bank Arena for one year, um, and then of course uh, it's gonna be an exciting run up to uh, the new Athletic and Convocation Center. But uh, just your general thoughts on going back to Bridgeport for one year. Yeah, um, you know, we, we're going to play wherever they tell us to play, and, and uh, we're excited for this new center. We obviously have to play somewhere temporarily, and, and uh, we're going to make the most out of Bridgeport. It's a beautiful building. Uh, we'll hopefully get some fans over there, and, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to do the best we can. I, you know, um, I don't even really think about it. That's where we're going to play. That's going to be our home court, and we know what's coming. Uh, it's for one year, and we're going to go over and, and make that a great venue for ourselves, too, and... and uh, you know, it, it uh, can get a little chilly in there sometimes, as you guys know, but uh, hof hopefully we'll make some shots to heat it up. I uh, am looking at my notes, and I noticed I didn't ask you about one player, but I did want to save this um, as we started to wrap things up here because you do have some news, unfortunately, about Chef Galakawandi. Um, hurt, where does he stand right now in terms of his uh, – his eligibility for this year in terms of the injury he sustained. Yeah, so unfortunately for Chef, a couple weeks ago in practice, had a uh, Achilles rupture uh, on a non-contact play. It was crazy. He was just planted. He went down. Uh, we thought it might be his Achilles, and, and the MRI came back, and he had season-ending surgery. So he, uh, you know, felt terrible for him. He was really, uh, you know, Playing well, practicing well, and uh, unfortunately, this this thing happened. And like I said, uh, had surgery and won't won't be with us this year. Will be with us on the bench and, and traveling with us, but won't be able to, to compete this year. I was going to say you have a deep roster, and Joe reminded me that I overlooked, and I didn't mean this. <laughs> you have a lot. Of, this is a good thing that you have a lot of depth. Joe has a couple of players he wanted to ask you about that I didn't go down on my or check out on my uh, list. Well, you, you you actually took bringing up a whole new topic now with the pandemic and the NCA basically giving every player who played last year another year. And the transfer portal jumps into this. So it's not only a case of where's Waldo, like where have these guys gone, but it's like the rosters are, there's not enough seats on the bench. You, you have 17 on your roster, 14 on scholarship. So I'm, I'm curious, I walked into the first practice a couple of weeks ago and I saw a player that I didn't recognize. And it was Alan Gene Rose. And I don't know if it's haircut, he got bigger. The second practice, I, I deducted that, and again, I'm not. These are my words. This is not a, a really terrifically skilled player, but what I saw the other day in practice that he looks to be playing harder and more confident. Has he figured out that he's got to play like his hair's on fire to get minutes? Because he certainly, like I said, it looks like he's making up for the lack of skills with more effort. Am I on target with that? Yeah, I think you are, and. and uh you know, 
certainly offensively we had our struggles last year and, and AJ was a guy who uh, you know at times we didn't feel was w would address some of those struggles but he's really worked on that end of his game uh, he's become one of our best cutters he really he had two good cuts in practice today that for dunks uh, and it for him and Chris having them there here this summer meant all the difference in the world I really do think that that they were they came off their freshman year where where you know they're just so raw and they need to be here and they couldn't because of the pandemic but he's put on muscle he's put on strength uh he played very well against nj i thought he was one of the guys who kind of stood out to me and he's kind of filled figured out his role as as a guy who comes in and gives you energy especially on the defensive end will get an offensive rebound um so he's another guy that I've been really happy with in the preseason. I know I'm happy with all of them, but he's another guy that I've, I've been happy with. And all your players were affected in terms of progress. Every player was because of sure. the pandemic. This young guy was affected even more because he couldn't practice, and that's Jason Idopai. I hate saying that name, by the way. My phonics teacher will be proud of me. Idopai. Talk to, him, talk to me about him. Yeah, Jason's another guy who kind of at the end of the year we just threw in there, did, did a good job for us. He had the craziest year with COVID and mono issues. and it, it, I can't even tell you how crazy his year was. Um, but he, he's another guy who gives us some front court depth. And, uh, you know, we tried to transition him a little bit more to the four this year. That, that's been a little, little slower than we thought. Uh, but he's another guy who, who, you know, at the end of the year played well for us and helped us and, and just another body up front that, that we feel can we could check into a game at any point and he could help us. Coach, this is the uh, easiest podcast of the year to do because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. And I'm looking at my notes, and I, didn't, I don't think we got to half of the things that uh, I had written down, which is, which is good because we have a, an entire season's worth of podcasts still to come, and uh, we'll run it down. But uh, – just reiterating what we said at the top, congratulations on on the contract extension. We're excited Thank to be you. part of this program and excited to be part of it with you. Uh, really looking forward to uh, you guys taking that, uh, that next step this year. Um, and very excited about getting it going uh, under, hopefully, knock on wood, uh, mm -hmm. very normal or closer to normal circumstances this year. Yeah, th thank you guys. And uh, uh, I never thought you guys would look so good. <laughs> as you did right now to see you in person <laughs> instead of that, that zoom screen i think we all got sick of that and and uh you know you you take for granted what you have and and just be back in the gym and and not getting tested every three days and so you're right hopefully it stays that way and it's uh we're getting we're excited for the season to begin as well all right that'll do it for this uh, opening edition of open court with jay young we will be back with you in about two weeks we'll talk about the start of the season and certainly we'll have a uh, few special guests players to be specific along the way as open court with jay young is up and running for the 2021-22 season so for the coach jay young and the fairfield hall of famer joe DeSantis and our producer ryan moynihan i'm bob usler Thanks for listening to Open Court. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.